You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 56. Uh, I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and tonight, pleased to announce we've got Tony back on. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a guest special. So how are you doing, Tony? Are you good? I'm great, mate. Thanks for having us back. I know it's great to have you back on. Um, but I, as I kind of say at the start, we're going to have a wee bit of a kind of guest special. Um, we're by a, a fan special. So we've had them before. Um, the other Johnny's done a few, um, and we quite enjoyed them. It gets a, a wee bit of a different take on things, and a wee bit of nostalgia trip as well, which we like. Yeah. We've been doing that recently the last few weeks. It's worked quite well. Um, Scott and me have certainly enjoyed doing it, um, and I think I be good thinking about old stories and old memories and stuff like that as well. So, for those that don't know, you're a Celtic fan. I'm indeed, yeah, um, and have been for what about thirty years? Yeah, yeah, well, probably since yeah, forty forty years now, but forty one now, but. Probably when I was born, I think I got like an old Celtic strip. I remember they always kept. Right, okay. um, so yeah, I've always kind of been in a Celtic family. So I can't imagine me being anything else, to be honest. Do you have all your Celtic strips from back, going all the way back? Um, not, not anymore. No, um, I've moved house a couple of times. Um, so a lot of them I got rid of, to be honest with you. But um, I used to have. The ones I remember having anyway were the A three A four strips. I had that. I had the 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 old um, oh, was the reserve strip for eighty seven, um, centenary top, home and away, yeah. all the kind of things. Um, so yeah, I always had them. Um, but as the years went on, I kind of kind of just get flung in the bin. I think. Yeah, particular favourite home top. So obviously the home top, you always know what you're getting roughly, but you still get changes with the the, the hoops. Yeah, I mean for, for me, my favourite was the Tommy Burns one, um, ninety five, ninety six. Um, CR Smith, I had the the V, kind of was a V neck, um, green white. It was a, oh, it was a, it was a, a, a strange fabric to her. The stretched when you run. It was it was an, a lovely fabric. Right. Um, it's the Pierre, Pierre Van Hoydonk season and everything with Andy Tom and aye, aye. that one. Um, so that was probably my favourite one to be honest. Out of them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just such a nice top, especially when you think back to like the strip we had previously, the the seasons before, which was like the fake hoops. It was like three hoops on it. It was a horrible, horrible strip during the Hamden year. Um, so uh, it was nice to kind of go back to proper hoops. I started being the CR Smith one. Yeah, I was CR yeah. Smith back then. So I was. Um, I've been CR Smith for there for years. They've done Celtic, I think, other than one season. I think it was 92, 93. They kind of done it from the mid-80s all the way up to, I think, 97, 98 when they went to Umbro as the main sponsor. Because it was weird back then, because you had, obviously, both Celtic and Rangers had CR Smith. Aye, in the beginning, um, both of them had it. Then I think, obviously, Rangers went to... Because CR Smith were only a local 
business company. It wasn't a big thing for sponsorship then. I don't think as it is nowadays having the sponsor on the strip. Yeah. But then I think Rangers, to be fair to them, kind of seen it first of all. Um, the advantage again, a big name sponsor, so they went for McEwen's Lager, yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, whereas I think kind of Celtic kind of stuck with C.R. Smith because I don't think the the Celtic board at that time kind of realised the potential mm-hmm. of having a big name sponsor, so they kind of stuck to CR Smith for, for, for years, really. Apart from, well, as I said, there's one season never had a sponsor, and then the season before they had Peoples, Peoples of Fort. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, but other Remember than that, that, other yeah. than that, yeah, I mean, other than that, it was always CR Smith, and um, there was like traditionally known with Celtic, um, but. You probably in more recent years you've probably seen CR Smith being advertised more at Aberdeen on the boards to the side behind <laughs> the goals. Uh, I always seem to see CR Smith well, I used to anyway, see CR Smith gonna mention there. but other than that, I've never really heard uh, about them. What about away kits? Because you've had some horrors in terms of away kits. Like some people well, you get some marmite strips, I think, with the away tops, the bumblebee kits and stuff like that were a bit marmite. And yeah, you're talking about people's member, the one, the one that was, yeah, oh, the that was green oh, as well. Yeah, it was like three shades of green. Aye, which never <laughs> made sense to me. Yeah, it was like a dark green, a grass green, and then a lime green, with kind of zigzag through the middle of it, and white, white and black. Um, aye, it was, it wasn't the best. Um, there's, there's been a couple. I mean, I think one of the first ones I ever remember really liking. Um, uncles hated it, and I think a lot of fans probably don't like it. Is um, about 89 90 season, it was green and yellow stripes, um, yeah. but with, with kind of arrows in it, yeah, with green shorts, yeah, that's the one, yeah. A, a lot of people never liked it, but I think I, I was quite young then, so I was quite. You know, I look like a foreign strip <laughs> as opposed to just like a plain, you know, yellow, which would add um, before. So it was that one was a nice one. And obviously, um, the, the first Bumblebee top was a good away strip um, during the Tommy Burns era. Um, that was a good one. Um, did, you but, like the, uh, did you like the black with the green pinstripes? No, because I always thought I was an unlucky top. I always right. seem to remember getting beat with that strip. Um, you talking about the one when Larson used to be there? Try to think where it might have been it just was, a wee bit before. It maybe. was black and then green, kind of. Uh, maybe mind you, maybe did he make his debut in that strip? Oh. It was against Hibs, wasn't it? Hibs, aye. Um, he may have done, you know. He, he, that may have been the top, aye. I'm trying to think what strips we had back then, so that would have been 97, 98. No, I think that was the season after, so 97, 98, our away strip. Oh. Well, no, it was the, the away kit was yeah, the kind of yellow and black one. Was a Bumblebee one, was it? Yeah, I think, I think that was, was still... I'm trying black, to think. There was the black one with like really thin pinstripes. 92, that... 93. Oh, I know what one you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. Um, the one that never had a sponsor on it. It was yep, yep. it was just, yeah, I know what one. Like a kind of Rudy Vata. That, that kind of era, yeah. yeah. Um, I had it, um, but uh, it was okay. It seemed to come 
back recently. I've noticed like a lot of fans getting it as part of, you know, like um, you get these strips um, coming bit, back right. into fashion, yeah. And it seems to be quite popular, but I don't think I was overly fussed with it, I was being honest, but oh. um, I had Maybe it. just due to the time of it, maybe if you're if you successful then maybe, maybe it's brand of bad memories. Maybe you say that, but I think I've mentioned before that I had one time um, the Celtic manager jacket, the Lou Macari yes, one, yeah, and I loved that jacket and um, the, the one he wore when um, the Bear Rangers at Ibrox two one um, in the last minute. I had that, and I had a, a kind of training top that had Celtic in the back, um, and it was like a lime green around the side, and I loved that. Um, yeah, they were the days when you used to be able to get all your stuff at like Sports Connection and <laughs> Sports Division and all that kind of places. Um, your wee local sports shop. Your wee local Aye. sports shop that was just how you independent. <clears throat> but, uh, um, so uh, you're saying that uh, you're basically born into, you, it was a case that you were supporting Celtic whether you liked it or not, probably. Hmm. I, I, I mean, my whole family. I mean, my my gran and my grandpa. Um, I mean, my grandpa came over from Ireland in the fifties, I think it was. Um, so he was Celtic through and through. My gran came from um, the East Coast, um, and her family were Celtic fans, um, right. and they ended up by hook or by crook, ending up in Paisley. Um, both of them never came from Paisley but they ended up being there I think it was to do with the fact that um, my grandpa was um, a ganger building the M8 built bridge um, okay. where the airport is okay. yep. so they kind of moved over there um, all my uncles were Celtic fans so yeah and it was my uncles who took me to the games to be honest with you so I was never really going to go any other way I remember your first game <laughs> I do, but and I don't. I don't actually remember anything about it other than when half time came, and I remember going to Monko, Monko Pan, saying, "Right, kind of, let's go." And he was like, "No, no, there's an, another half to score," <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and just kind of being like, "All right, okay." Um, and it was a Hamden. It was in the old enclosure, from what I remember. It was a cup semi final game. I, I mean, I've I've seen. Um, it was a, it was a one each game um, between Celtic and Motherwell, and I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. But other than yeah, being ready to go, my uncle used to always say to me, he "said I had to drag you back because you thought that was it, time <laughs> to go." So I so yeah. Were you one for getting programs or that? Yeah, I loved. I used to collect programs and I used to collect the uh, tickets for stubs yep, for yep. the away games and everything like that. Um, I collected them for years. Um, I, I used to really enjoy all this stuff. But sadly, when I, when I left my mum's house, um, they all kind of went. Um, had programs for about the centenary year up until I'd say the late nineties, probably. Okay. Um, constantly for like going to all the games, um, and then I kind of got into the fanzines as well. So I used yeah. to get the fanzines, yeah. um, and the big one I used to always get was not the view. That was the one um, I got religiously. I used to have other ones like Once a Tim, the Shamrock. Um, I think there was another one which I can't remember, but it was always um, not the view for me. I, I, I loved that because uh, there was no social media back then. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing you had was, as you know yourself, with Radio Clyde, the phoning. Aye. That was like a huge thing. So 
Aye, um, I used to have all of them, but um, it's sad because I'd like to look at them now, you know, just to kind of look at stuff. So, um, well, a few bob as well, I'd imagine. Some of these yeah, things. it's weird. Do you know, I was thinking about this today. I was, I was talking to my, my missus about this. Uh, um, I think when I first started going to the games for a kid, it used to be like 150 for a kid to get into the ground. I mean, nowadays you can't even get a programme for 150. You know, it's it's mental. It used to be like 150. Even up to about 93, 94, it was only three or f- between three and five quid to get in for a, as a kid at Celtic Park. Um, and that's, that's 93, 94. So obviously, when the new stadium kicked in, obviously the prices just started going higher and it became more of a business than it had been previously. Aye, definitely, yeah. And it's probably still a case like that now. It's like a business... Mm-hmm. And the football's almost a sideshow at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so in terms, of obviously, you can early on go and maybe don't remember it kind of totally. But when did you first first start kind of getting proper going to it and then remembering things and going regularly? Um, centenary year. The centenary year. See, yeah, that that was the season when I started going to the games, um, and that's, a, that's the first season that I fully remember. Um. There was there was a big build up and everything about it because it was like um, hundred years of Celtic and Billy Minnewood came back into the club and yeah. there, was, there was a lot going on um, with it and it was the first time I'd really taken an interest. Um, weirdly enough, I'd I'd went into Paisley. My grandpa took us into Paisley the summer before the season had started because St Mirren had won the cup, right, so. Okay. I'd seen all that, and that kind of got me a buzz, but unfortunately, well, there was no Simon fans in the family, so it was, we'll take you to the Celtic games, as opposed to going to Love Street, which would have been closer. Um, so I kind of got the buzz from that, and I, the, the centenary year was, it was great. Um, Good first the, season for you to be going regularly, eh? Yeah, it, it was, it was, I mean, the crowds were fantastic, Um you remember bits and bobs of games. You remember things, that, just daft things like um, where things were in the old ground. And you know, you I remember how how excited you used to get to, to get to the ground and all that. Then go up in the supporters bus or go up in the train. Um, I was, I was just, I was, I was really, really good. It was, it was just a good time to be a Celtic fan. Of that, I always think. I obviously you won the double, didn't you? That season. Yeah, well, I I was really lucky because my uncle used to be a nurse at Dig Bar Hospital, um, which um, ran a Celtic supporters bus in Paisley, right. um, from there um, for like games, and it was basically for like um, it was a special needs hospital kind of thing. Yeah. So they used to be able to get tickets and all that for stuff. So every so often for like big cup games, we would be able to get tickets through Monko. Um, so I was I, I was lucky that I went I went to a couple games. Dundee United was one of the best ones. It was a great cup final because it was the first time I'd been properly to Phil Tamden because the semi final hadn't been full for what I remember. But for the final for Dundee United, it was just. It was a lovely day. It was scorching. I remember the red cards being given out to everybody going into the stadium because Margaret Thatcher was there. Aye. Uh, <laughs> and everybody kind of showing the red card. I remember, remember that in the boon. Um, and then kind of 
I, I remember the I don't remember the, the first goal. I remember the second goal more than the first. Weirdly enough, um, and it was just yeah, it was just a great day. So it was. Who who would your favourite players have been in that season? Uh, I was a wee bit brainwashed in the sense that Tommy Burns. I was my grand's favourite, so I had yeah. a, a soft spot for Tommy Burns. Um, Paul McStay was a, I think was everybody's favourite player, uh, young. Because um, he he had a great season that year. Um, try to think who else. Andy really? Walker sank that season from Motherwell. Andy, yeah, Andy Walker scored a lot of goals for Celtic, but Andy Walker's a weird one for me because I always thought whenever Andy Walker was a Celtic, there was always another striker that took the attention off him. So last season there was Macavani, um, and then when Macavani kind of left. They put Joe Miller up front, and then Jack Anofsky came in the season after, and it was just there was always I don't know Andy Walker. He, he was like a reliable striker who scored your goals, but I never ever thought he probably got the credit that he, he should have got. Maybe because he wasn't a big sexy signing, you know. He was like Andy Walker from Motherwell, whereas everyone else, his strike partner was always somebody big. Uh, he finished top scorer that season for Celtic, so I did all right. I, I mean, I always remember, obviously, I think a lot of fans will remember, uh, Celtic fans particularly will remember his two goals against Dundee, um, the one in the league at Celtic Park. And I mean, if you ever see the footage of that game, how Celtic get away with saying there was only 60,000 in that stadium that day, I will never know. <laughs> because even as a kid, I, I, probably one of the few times I remember being really scared at a game. And I, I was, cause we used to always go up the number two entrance. Um, in the Celtic end behind the goals and I, I I just remember that being absolutely chocker I mean it was just madness and there was fans like literally all around the pitch and they were, they were putting up railings to stop them going actually on the actual pitch itself, they were like around the side of the pitch if you ever watch the footage there was more than 60,000 there that day <laughs> it's yeah they would never get, you would never get away with it now oh. Oh, definitely not. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, kind of going on, you kind of, next season, they didn't win the league, but they won the cup. Old Firm final. I remember that Old Firm final because I was in a cup trip. You get your trips when you end up with the Cubs and all that type of thing. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know why, or why you would have been doing stuff during the day, but we all kind of sat around watching whatever it was in sports scene at night time, watching the highlights of the game. And Joe Miller scoring. It's it's weird that I, 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 last season was the first season I was allowed to go to Ibrox with my uncle for tickets. And in those days, it wasn't too bad to get tickets. If you were a member like, of a supporters bus or something like that, it wasn't as hard um, as it later would be because you used to get the enclosure underneath the main stand. It's, um, it's part of the ticket allocation for Celtic. So you had the full Broomland Road stand and you had the enclosure underneath, which was a terracing back then. Um and we got some batons. My first one would give you five one. And then we got Aye. I got yeah, we got ticket four one Ibrox. So we went to I went to both of those ones. Um and we got got, got ticket for the cup final. Um and the cup final was good. The cup final was great. The game again, I don't remember much about it. Um I remember the goal just simply because it was just before half time for what I remember. Um, and I think everybody was kind of getting ready for no-no, and it was a stupid back pass, I think, for 
Gary Stevens, I think it was, and Joe Muller scored in, uh, scored the goal. But they'd played Joe Muller as a striker um, for about four or five games leading up to that final. And he, he had, he'd been a really good scoring record, which people kind of forgot. Um, and that was the only time they ever really played him through the middle. And they ended up the following season putting him back on the wing again. But uh, I, it was a weird season. I the bet. I remember the bet. Samirin seven one, um, at Parkhead, but then there would be like crazy results. Um, I think we lost to Hamilton at Douglas Park for what I remember. Yeah. yeah, it was just weird. It was just bizarre games. There was no consistency with them. Uh, every time they would get a bit of momentum, they would slip up somewhere. Um, and it was just constantly like that all, all that season. I think as well, was that the season with the Rangers game where it was all the chaos between McAvaney and Woods and Roberts and all that? That was the centenary year. Was it the centenary year? Yeah, centenary year was that one. Um, that, that's when all, all, all the trouble started. Um, the, the fighting and everything like that. I say fighting, it wasn't really fighting, it was my handbags. Um, but they all ended up in the dock for it, didn't they? Remember? I um, think, I'm sure, the Rangers players got criminal records over it. Uh, um, McAvenny was the only one to get away with it, I'm sure. And if you see it today, it's, it's nothing. It really, really is. I, I generally think it was just the procurator first going, or whoever, just at the time, just wanting to kind of show that, well, this is how we deal with stuff and all that kind of thing. Um, and it really, really was nothing, really. Yeah, trying to make it an example. Yeah, um, but are they kind of finished third that season? Celtic and you think that's kind of started to be a wee bit of the Celtic on a decline for a wee spell, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was the first time I I remember ever kind of reading, and because I said we used to get not the view, it was my uncle started getting not the view, then I got afterwards. Yeah. But it was the first time I kind of ever remember reading or hearing about kind of concern about the Celtic board. Um, I think Rangers were obviously getting players in left, right and centre at that point. And it wasn't just any players who were getting like English internationals coming yeah, up. Yeah, I was where, where, that last week. Yeah, where, where Celtic were kind of, I want to say back in basements, but they were kind of getting players who either had a name about them but hadn't done anything for a bit of a while. Or they were trying to get young players who had never really been tested, um, you know, in the top league. Um, and I just kind of, yeah, you, you could tell that something wasn't going right. And, and then the big players were going, like McAvaney was the first one, I, I remember, yep. who, who had a follow, I think, with Billy McNeil and the board. And then he left. And then a couple of seasons later, there was a whole Mo Johnson thing where I think. Signing wise, that was probably the turning point with the board where I think people kind of thought, right, there's something serious in the right here um, because we'll, we'll, we've lost it to a guy who's been on the telly saying he wants to come and then we've been outbid by Rangers. Um, and I think that was at the turning point. But even back then, that season, 89, there were signs that there was cracks happening with Celtic. Aye, because remember he's brought back Charlie Nicholas. Remember he signed John Collins, yeah. who was a good player. But I just didn't kind of well work it out. And as you say, I mean, Rangers soonest they were signing like a butcher and Woods and 
Trevor Steven, Gary Seater, that's about half the England team. I uh, mean, the thing with Charlie Nicholas, Celtic really should have signed Charlie Nicholas when he came back to Aberdeen. Yeah. That's right. when they really should have signed Nicholas. Because by the time Nicholas came to Celtic, I wouldn't say he was finished, but he wasn't at his peak as what he had been when he came back off from Arsenal to Aberdeen. Um it's just weird. I mean, the sign the likes of Martin Hayes for Arsenal, oh, yeah, which, which, which was a disaster. Um, they signed um, John Hewitt, um, who again was one of the players who had a good name about him, but again hadn't really done anything for a while. You know, I mean, Hewitt's best days is kind of long gone. Yeah, definitely, aye. You, you know, and that, that's the kind of players that they were kind of getting in. Uh, and then any good player they were getting in, there was always seemed to be some sort of problem with money. So we got Paul Elliott in, who was a cracking set-half, probably one of the best ones we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. And within like the end of that season, his first season, there was problems with money with him. It, it, it just seemed to always be the situation with Celtic. Like whenever MD was half-decent, there would be some sort of controversy over the wages. And, and it just, you know... Well, 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 I mean, a perfect example would be the season, 91-92 season. You sing Cascarino in the summer, mm. and then seven months later, he's away on a swap deal with Tom Boyd, who obviously Tom Boyd ended up in a terrific signing for Celtic. Mm. But for a player to be signed for over a million pounds at that time was, was rare. Um, and then he's away and seven months later. The thing with Cascarino was he was Liam Brady's um, agent. Sorry, Liam Brady was Cascarino's agent prior to Brady getting the Celtic job. So that kind of made life a bit easier for Brady to get Cascarino yeah. to, to come into the club. Um, yeah, Cascarino was was a, was a weird one. I, I, I'd heard stories since uh, about um, players that were we looked at and everything, and we didn't go for them. Um, like Andy Cole, when he was at Bristol City, we looked at him, and right. we were really, we were really big in getting him. And then we just pulled out it for whatever reason. Yet we went ahead and we spent the money in Cascarino, um, which I've never really understood. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Cascarino was just a weird. I I don't remember any time or any game thinking Cascarino was great. I mean, he scored against Rangers, um, and he played. I always remember he played against Hearts in the Scottish Cup game. He scored, and he literally got set off about five minutes later. Yeah, and that's the only things I ever remember by Cascarino. I, I don't remember him doing anything else. That and he, he I think, did he not slight tackle like a policewoman or something at Airdrie? <laughs> did he? Yeah, and, and, and she went on crutches or something. She sued him. And I, I'm sure there was a big court case or something like that that went on for years and years over this tackle and the Cascarino done or honour. And literally, that is all I ever remember about him. He was... <laughs> yeah, for, for the money they paid out, it just did not work. But I always, I always remember hearing stuff like we were supposed to sign Paul McGrath and... They decided that they'd seen someone better than Paul McGrath, so they dropped the interest and they bought someone else. Another player was Gary Gillespie. Right, okay, aye. And it's just bad decision making. You know, Paul McGrath went on to have a good couple more seasons, two or three more seasons at Aston Villa, 
Well, Gary Gillespie was awful. He, he just, he was, to be fair to Gary Gillespie, again, his best had been passed. You know, I mean, he did play in that all-conquering Liverpool team of the 80s. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, and by 91, 92, I mean, he was coming towards the end of his career as well, you know? So, like, during that period, what was that? So, like, so eight seasons that you never even finished in the top two. Mm. Who, who was the worst manager? Who was the one that even you just thought, oh, Jesus, could do a, a few that weren't too good? Yeah, um... I don't think Carly ever got it, did he? I think McCarthy nah. was better than he was as a manager. Do you know what? It's hard because I think, thinking back to then, it was a different kind of mindset. I mean, if I was the age I am now, when they were around, then I'd probably go with somebody like Brady. He's probably been the worst manager, if I was being honest. But when at that time, you're still when you're young. You don't. I don't think you think like that. I think you're, you're quite optimistic about stuff. You always think, oh, cause just need a couple of players. You know, it's always just two or three players, and we can turn this team around. You know, um, like now, for example, if Celtic went out and signed, I don't know, say a Championship player, a Premiership player, and somebody for Albania, I'd be like, seriously, what's going on here, boys? Yeah. Whereas. When that happened in 1993, when signed just later, Andy Payton and Rudy Vata, I mean, as a teenager, I was like, this is it. This is it. We'll, we'll get in the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was like, oh, you have that optimism that I think kind of evades as time as you get older when you're in those kind of situations. And so it's hard because I don't ever remember at any point particularly being critical of managers until like the very very end to be honest with you like with Brady um, you kind of just knew we were dropping points left right and centre in his last season um, 93, 94 at the, um, at the beginning of that year um, but I, I don't remember being overly critical yeah probably maybe because you're young as well you're probably just yeah. going to games and I suppose you don't really know what it's what it's like not to be successful in a way, but at the same time you're yearning, you're just enjoying it, just enjoying watching football. I think also as when, I mean, also then, the mindset was Rangers are going to win the league. It, it was basically, Rangers were like spending money left, right and centre, yeah. and it was just a case of, oh, if we could put up a bit of a challenge, it'd be great. Or, let's see if we can win one of the Cups. That, that was really the mindset I think a, a lot of Celtic fans had at that time, because the stadium was in a mess. Um, the team was in, in a mess. <sighs> and that's all you really get. I mean, towards the end of the old board regime, we were getting players in for like... I mean, I say Leicester City. I mean, not the Leicester City of now, but the Leicester City, they used to be in like Division 2, struggling to stay in Division 2. Yeah. You know, when they got um, Cal Muggleton as a goalkeeper. I remember he's getting yeah. uh, Muggleton and... Wayne Biggins. Wayne Biggins, yeah. I mean, he came in um, for Barnsley. Um, again, just never done anything. We've got Lee Martin for Man United, who again was another pass's best. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what that team just seemed to be full of. Like, for, for the, a lot of the 93 94 season, 
it was just McAvenny and Charlie Nicholas up front, and both of them, I think, were in the late, early 30s by that point. Yeah. You it's, know? It's weird then, kind of going on to like the, the big story about the 90s and like when McCann came in and he's almost what's like going out of the game. It's weird mm-hmm. to see as I, I mean, I would, I would have been about, I must have been about 14, 15 at the time. But mm-hmm. as an outsider, and probably the fact there wasn't as much media back then, apart from newspapers, and I didn't buy a newspaper, I think. That obviously, that is, you don't buy a paper as a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you're a paper boy, maybe you won't see much of it. Because even yeah. the news, I don't think it featured a lot. Whereas if that was nowadays, well, obviously what happened with Rangers, it'd be massive. You'd be all over the place. As a fan at that time, as a teenager, did you get an idea how close they were to being out of the game? Did you ever think it would happen? I did. I don't think you ever thought it would happen. I mean, certainly you could see the crowds going down season by season. So if you're talking about like, as I said, my first season was centenary year, where they were getting say forty odd thousand. You know what I mean? As the average, let's yeah. just say. You know what I mean? Um, and as the seasons would go on, you could see the crowds getting smaller and smaller, up until the point where, as I said, ninety three, ninety four. I mean, it was you were. I mean, social distancing would not have been a problem during season nine, three, nine, four. <laughs> Seriously, I, I mean, I remember going to watch Celtic against Falkirk um, last season, and we won three two, and it was freezing, and there was literally n- nobody around us. It, it was it, there must have only been about, I'd say, seventeen thousand, if we were lucky. Because people were boycotting as well. So the crowds were going down. Um, the money being spent in players was obviously shown. I mean, there was name to coming in, really, um, who, who were matching what the Rangers were doing. I mean, we were getting like a Paul Bunn on a free. Like Paul Bunn. Yeah. Pat McGinley. Um, Pat McGinley was, was all right, I thought. He was a good player at Hibs. He, he was, but he was our big signing in 93, 94, and I think that was only like something like 450,000 or something like that. Yeah. Or, um, maybe 600,000. It certainly was, wasn't a lot of money. Um, yeah, and, and we still had like, we had um, Muggleton, Marshall, Marshall was, Marshall was still there, Bonner was still there, Gillespie, Mark McNally. I mean, the whole, I mean, everything about it was just, you could see the team was totally, there's no youth coming through either. Aye. I mean, the, the only player that kind of did come through that season was Simon Donnelly, and he and he was like the, the, the rear sunshine that season. But everything else was, it was just hard. And yet the board would be telling you things like, um, yeah, we could build a brand new stadium in Canvas Lang. Uh, don't worry about that, it. Aye. I mean, they, they would get building Canvas Lang. The board didn't have to pay for it. It was all paid for by offshore investors and all this kind of thing. And oh, it was just madness. Um, Celtic Park, they found all problems with the stadium. Apparently, there was um, mine shafts underneath the stadium, they said. They couldn't de- develop it. Yeah. Um, they put seats in the jungle, so that completely ruined the atmosphere in there. You know, because you, you, on one hand, you've got them saying, well, um, we'll get moved to Canvas Lang, and then on the other hand, they're putting seats into a stadium when they've not got the money. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and even daft things, like scoreboards. I, I mean, St. Johnson had a scoreboard before us. 
the first, our first scoreboard, I think, was came up in halfway through but 93, 94. Last season, or 92, 93, when the scoreboards came up. And I was like, wow, we've got a scoreboard now. Because uh, prior to that, we never, we never had anything. There was there was no infrastructure done in the old Celtic Park. What, what was yours? I mean, Chris, obviously, he's been in the podcast. He was asked a few questions. I thought it would be quite interesting to get some questions from a Celtic mm. fan, to a Celtic fan. So he was asking, what was your favourite bit of the, the old ground? Um, and obviously, what was your favourite bits about the new ground? There was a whole thing about what the cup final was played at Parkhead. And Rangers mm. are the, first, the last fans to occupy the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that wasn't the case. <laughs> you, I, as, as much as you say that, I mean, I've got a lot of emo, emotion with regards to the old stadium because that was the stadium that I went to yeah. as a kid. So as a kid, you, you don't mind it so much. Um, you used to go in, so behind the goals at the Celtic end, you used to go in the gate and then once you went through like the brick wall, you went up this thing, it was like the Crifton factor. It was like huge steps. I used to go all the way up and the green railings all the way down. And you, you, there was like steps. You, you went all the way up there. And then underneath you had like a kind of concourse. I went all the way behind um, the, the terracing. And then you were up the steps. And we always went to number two. That, right. was, that, was, that was like the entrance point we always went into. I don't know why. It was where my uncles went to. So I always kind of went there. Um, and we used to stand quite up a wee bit from there. Um, they used to have to go either downstairs to get food or in the early years, there used to be a pie stall right in the corner of the top bits in both ends. So you could go up there and get something. Um, uh, I was... <laughs> I liked it. I, I've got to be honest with you, I, I, I did like it, um, the old stadium. Um, the, the only thing is, I mean, it was only really maybe the odd European night and the Rangers night games when it was full. Yeah. Other than that, I used to not be full. Um, the new stadium, what I like about it, I mean, it's, it's just it's just a good stadium. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I, I do enjoy going there. I remember... Um, one time going to a Celtic Rangers game um, and being like, I think, one of the first people in the stadium. And it was just, just simply because I'd left, I'd finished school and I'd went home, got changed and then gone out and then gone straight up to the ground. And by the time I got there, literally, I was like one of the first folk in there and it was great to watch everybody come in. Yeah. In fact, it, it was the, it was a nil-nil game. Um, so it was, 96-97 um, season. Um, and it was just, it was just, Great, seeing how the atmosphere builds up, um, and then I have memories as well. Being there, um, having the scene ticket with my mates um, up in like the Jockstein Upper. So you've got it's kind of like two different memories of the old stadiums, kind of with my uncles. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the new stadiums more with my mates, and then latterly with the misses when I used to take the misses to the game. So we see when you first started going with your mates, would that be the Tommy Bunce either? Um, no, Tommy Burns was still I was still going with my uncles in those days. So what happened was we had tickets. They used to be oh in North Stand. So my uncles used to have tickets in the for the Green Brigade kind of now, whereas I used to be in the kind of left 
corner. Um down at the bottom by myself kind of thing. Right. The only reason why that worked out is because of the Hamden season. So when the Hamden season kind of started, you were able to pick where you wanted to go um, when the new stadium was built. Um, and I kind of withered about getting a season ticket for Hamden. Um, so once I got my season ticket for Hamden, I was by myself. And then, again, I was by myself um, when the new stadium was open. So it was... Yeah, I was kind of in the in the corner near the temporary stand. And obviously, the kind of Tommy Burns year I'll probably be fondly remembered by most fans because much as maybe the trophies weren't there, the style of football and the football that was played was tremendous, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, that's probably my favourite time being, being a Celtic fan. Which is interesting. Know, yeah, like. yeah. Um, I know, I mean, they won the cup under Burns, but it was just. It was an exciting time. I mean, the, they still hadn't won the league. Um, they hadn't really challenged for the league up, up yeah. until Burns' second season. Um, and then big-name players started coming in, like Van Hoydong, Canio, Cadetti, Andy Tom. Um, you know, bear in mind, it had only been a couple of years ago when we had, as I said, Wayne Biggins, you know, up front. So, I mean, from that to... Cadetti and Tom and what have you, it was just like a, a huge difference. And it was always, it was great to watch because it was so attacking. But in the same side, you'd be scared to death with the defence. Yeah. Um. So I it was, yeah, just my favourite time. I think as well as the school, was the, the, the later end of my schooling years, I was in fifth year and sixth year during the Tommy Bundrain. So, yeah, that's probably why as well. Because you always remember the games with Rangers and it was a whole Andy Gorham's going to break my heart kind of thing. Mm. Just constantly, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. do you know what? It wasn't even always the Rangers games. It would be like Kilmarnock. I always remember under Burns, we used to draw with Kilmarnock or get beat off of Kilmarnock, especially down in Rugby Park. Um, we never had a great record um, against them. And there was always there was always this kind of slip-up where we would draw. And, all, and even when we won games, sometimes it was by the skin of our teeth. Um, you know, like last-minute goals or something would happen and we'd get a winner. Um, but the football was just brilliant to watch. When, when they were on the form and on, on their best, I mean, I don't like bringing it up. I mean, I don't like bringing it up, but the 5 now against Aberdeen in Celtic Park when yeah. Cadetti made his debut. I mean, that game was just one of the best games um, on the Burns. Oh, so it's like just an era when you had like Van Hoydonk, you had Cadetti, mm. De Canio. You're just like, oh, where's it coming from next? How do you stop these guys? Well, that's, I mean, even midfield, I mean, for the Burns' first and second season with John Collins and Paul McStay in midfield, then we had Phil O'Donnell um, coming um, during Burns' first season, Simon Donnelly, Simon Donnelly and McNamara, um, but just Brown down the right. Um, Toss McKinley in the left, uh, signed in Recost, which was probably maybe a season too early for him. He kind of yeah. came more of a better player during Janssen's time. Uh-huh. Uh, but, I mean, there was great balance uh, with the team. Um, but it was just kind of, it was defence. I mean, Stubbs, again, was a season too early for him. Um, Burns' last year, because he turned out to be a great defender with Celtic, but 
last season he would Tommy Burns had him. It was a bit hit and miss, you know. Do you think it was a bit harsh when they sacked him, or do you think he would have got over the line and won the league? Or... I don't know. I, th- I think. I mean, as I said before, I, I was. I, I love Tommy Burns as manager, and it was he was great. I mean, I mean, the the style of football was amazing. But I think by the end, I think they probably did need to go with a different approach um, to it, to be honest with you, because it just, it just wasn't working. Um, I think he was naive with goalkeepers, naive with his defence, um, and it, I, don't, I don't know, I just, I just, for all the flair and everything, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Yeah, and obviously Janssen comes in, who I think, fair to say, back then, not many Celtic fans would have known, unless you're really clued up in the game and nah. watched a lot of football it was and again just because down to the fact that you wouldn't have seen Dutch football really back then mm-hmm. you'd only seen teams like Feyenoord and Ajax PSV in the European tournaments that's all you really think, know yeah I think was he not a manager of a Japanese team or something before he came to Celtic he was in the Japanese league I'm sure it was it was like in the Far East or something Um I mean and I, I always remember, um, and this will be something you'll remember and older listeners will probably remember, in the days when you used to go past the telly shops and the, the tellies used to be on outside, so you used to be yep, able to yeah. see stuff in the sea and all that type of thing. Robert. Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, so you used to have the tellies. I, I remember we, uh, me and my mates were out in Paisley, we were getting some um, football um, Boots, I think it was, or something like that. And we were coming back through the Paisley Centre, and it was shown on there that Celtic had a new manager, and it was a guy called Wim Janssen. And I remember saying to me, Who's this guy? Because we were being linked with, I think, Gus Hiddink the first time um, we were being linked with. Um, and there was all different people we were getting linked. Maybe and, Hiddink recommended him or something like that. Never know. Yeah, I, I don't know what. I, you know, I, I don't even know how they ended up with Janssen. I've, I've never known. Fully, how how they ended up going down that avenue? I mean, thank God they did because he brought in Larson, but um, Lambert as well. Yeah, Lambert. Yeah. Although I I always think with the Scottish players, I tend to think, and this may be a bit controversial, but I tend to think that was more of a Jog Brown thing than him because yeah. we, we I remember we signed Bully not long after Jansen got the gig. Or just before Jansen got the uh-huh. gig, yeah. Um, so we were bringing players in prior to having a manager. So I think I was more of a jog brown trying to get because we went for that whole general manager and then manager kind of thing. Because um, we bought quite a lot of players that year. We got uh, Burley in, uh, Darren Jackson came in, Johnny Gould came in, he... yeah, Richard Blinker, yeah, he came in. Um, Larson obviously came in. Um, did we, no, Reaper, I was going to say Reaper, but I think Reaper was the following season. Um, I think Reaper played came, season, I think. Did he? Maybe. Oh, no, you're right. You know, you're right, Reaper did. Is it Reaper stops? Was it not the part? Yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, Reaper did. I always get confused. Yeah, it was the following season, Reaper, because um, Reaper got injured. Um, uh, so... Yeah, and then Brabac came in um, after just before Christmas, I think it was. Um, so they, they quite a lot of players um, come in during that time. Yeah. Um, to to the club. I suppose uh, the big one, big thing was obviously that it was a, a massive season because Celtic uh, Rangers are going for ten in a row. This guy comes in. A lot of fans don't maybe know that well. 
and then the first couple of games you got off to a, a bit of a stinker with losing your Aye. first two games in the league. I mean, at that yeah. point, there's no way you're thinking that ten in a row is going to get stopped. Yeah, I mean, I always think the Dunfermline game was worse than the Hibs game because I think you can ex- at that time I think losing to Hibs wasn't a big surprise because Hibs could do that to teams. They could you know beat Celtic or Rangers at Easter Road, so wasn't it like a big surprise to lose to Dunfermline at home? was like a huge shock when that happened. And I think, I, I remember just thinking, no, we're not going to win this league this year. There was too many changes. The big star players had all gone. There had been the whole Decanio Cadetti thing um, yeah, during the summer. And I just kind of thought, no, we're, we're not going to do it this year. This, this not going to happen, sadly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Larson, at first Larson looked all right. I mean, and I don't mind saying, I, I, at the beginning, there was a lot of folk, probably myself included, the kind of thought, this guy's good, but he's never going to be as good as Van Hoydonk, you know what I mean, or anything we've had previously. Just you know, to show, eh, if the, if the managers and all that listen to fan opinions at times would be I know. in a worse situation. What was it the defining moment was in that season when you thought, oh, wait a minute, I think we, are, we might do it here? The draw against Rangers, um, and Stubbs scored in the last minute. Um, it been it was supposed to be played on the weekend when Princess Diana died. I think it was supposed to be the Monday night, maybe even. I remember it was that because be... it was my mate's my mate turned eighteen at the time. Yeah, so it was either the Monday or the Sunday was supposed to get played, and they cancelled it. Um, and. Uh, Celtic got on to a good B run because we'd already played Rangers at Ibrox and we'd lost one 0 um, and we were on a kind of good run um, and it gave us a wee bit of momentum and then we played them um, at Celtic Park and we were still in that kind of bad league form that yeah. we'd had um, oh, yeah. when Bonds had been there um, for the previous two seasons but we hadn't bet them so they were there and won the up with Negri I think it was something like 20 minutes to go 25 minutes to go I think it was when Negri scored um, and literally we scored in the last minute um, Stubbs header and I think if that had went 1-0 Rangers I don't think we would have won the league I think we probably our heads would have gone to be honest with you Aye. Um, so that kind of I think gave them belief that when the next Celtic Rangers came came um, New Year that they could actually score and win against them and which they did um, but I, I've always said that was the turning point that game Aye, and that, that season as well, you had some young players starting to come through in the reserve squad. Guys that went on to have decent careers, McManus, mm. uh, Liam Miller, obviously, even though Miller lasted a season and then obviously went on too early. Should I say that still take longer, in my opinion? Uh, Burchill, who was going to be the next big thing and it never quite worked out. Yeah. <laughs> there was a few that kind of, kind of came through um, during that kind of reign and then just kind of they had the, the odd kind of moment, and then you never really heard much of them. To be fair to Janssen, what Janssen done, unlike Burns, was he made the team more kind of stronger. We weren't as fancy or as good in the eye as the Burns teams, but he, he gave them a bit of structure. It was a 4-4-2, and there was no rigidness. or you know, It was just basically, this is how it is. Will not move from this. If you if you if you're Simon Donnelly, you're out on the right. You're playing out on the right. You're not cutting inside. You're not going off front. You're staying there. Magnamara, I just want you to 
stays right back. Don't go ham enough. Stephen Mahe, you're left. Yep. You mean just do that? I don't want you to be out of position. So he kind of kept them in the positions. Whereas we Burns' team with the three up front of the Canio, Cadet and Van Hoydonk. I mean, they would all mix and match. So you never quite knew exactly where they were, what position they were playing. Um, and, and sometimes if we lost the ball with them, then you'd have three players out of formation. Whereas this one, this team, you would play sometimes Jackson and Larson up front. So Jackson would automatically then come into midfield and then Larson could drop deeper as well because yeah. they weren't out-and-out strikers at that time. Um, so I was it was more much more of a rigid team, and then obviously you think you've had a right good season, and then he quits because he couldn't work with Joe Brown anymore. Yeah, I think there'd been kind of rumours going on for a while, but I what I always remember is it was more Muddle McLeod and Joe Brown. They couldn't get on because originally at the beginning of the season, or was the season before, there was a falling out with Davy Hay in Jock Brown because Davy Hay used to be our head of youth and development, chief yeah. scout kind of thing. And he'd fallen out with um, Jock Brown and Fergus McCann and he'd left. So I just left Brown and, and Janssen and McLeod. And then from what I remember, there was always talk that it was McLeod and Brown were having like a few issues, um, and, and then it just kind of spiraled. But that was the kind of thing that happened to Celtic back in those days. We, we, I mean, we just won the league. Literally the next day, I think it was, they were flying out because they had to play against Sporting Lisbon for a, a friendly because it was part of the George Cadet transfer. So they had to play Sporting Lisbon over in Lisbon, and then the manager resigned. So they all flew out to Lisbon without a manager. It was just bizarre. And then the late Dr. Joel came in, who brought in Moravchik. He'll always be a member mm-hmm. of that, won't he? Moravchik and who else did he bring in again? He brought in Moravchik, Mialbi, Vida Reseth, and I'm sure there was someone else I'm forgetting. Mialbi. I'm sure there's another one that escapes me during yeah. that season. But um, was Tommy, Tommy Johnson? No, no, he was a Burns. I think he was Burns' last signing. Tommy Johnson. Tommy uh, Johnson. Tommy Johnson had played in the set squad in the semi-final against Falkirk in the first game, oh, for, um, yeah. and then tended to get a lot of injuries. I think he played. He scored a hat trick against. Um, oh that Welsh team, Cumran Cum- Cum- Town or something like that they were called, in the UEFA Cup. And then he got injured. And then that was him for the the whole time, I think, under Wim Janssen and Dr Joe. I mean, again, from an outsider's point of view, it's not as if generally I enjoy watching Celtic players play, but Maravchik has got to be one of the most enjoyable players that's played in Scottish football in terms of just pure talent. Yeah, and again, I mean, I think it's one of these things that sometimes we forget that players are good players, just even though we've not heard of them. Because I, I remember when, when it all came out saying we were signing them for 250000 everybody was going kind of crazy over it. 
Um, because again, if you remember Rangers back then, Rangers were—I think it was Advocates first year—and they were buying all the Dutch players, Aye, like yep. Newman and Moles and all that kind of thing. Um, and I remember everybody going a wee bit crazy that we were just spending two hundred fifty thousand on this thirty-three-year-old Slovakian guy. Um, but I always remember one of my friends saying that um, there was a, an, a, an article in four four two or World Soccer, World Soccer, I think it was. That said that the Dan had said one of his three best number tens he'd ever watched was Maravchuk. Um and he'd said that about him and I was like, All right, we'll see how this goes. But he was just um, he first game I always remember was the Rangers game. I can't remember if that was was that his debut? The Rangers game. I, I can't remember. But he was just oh he was amazing that game. Oh, he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just one of these guys. He didn't know what his best fit was, right or left. Mm. He didn't particularly have much pace, but it was all in the mind. He just was one, two steps ahead of everyone else, I think. I, I mean, I mean he, he used to do the corners, and if you ever see the corners from back then when he used to take them, I mean, everybody used to, like, pure bow down to him, do the, you know, the Messiah thing. When he took the corners, because he was, he was great with corners, he was great with free kicks. I seen him score once. Uh, I think it was against St Johnston when they done a corner, and he just, he just kind of hit it and I went straight in the, the roof of the net, and it was a crack and go with Celtic Park. But the things he done, he, I've seen him doing control with his backside against Hearts. Yeah. He's got the ball and he's kind of controlled it. Um, the, the goal against Rangers like further on in his career when he kind of turns, I think, as a contentman. He kind of right, edge of the box and he moves in. But the the, the guy was amazing. Um, and, and we were lucky to have him. Um, and I know people used to always say, oh, I wish we had him when, when he was younger. We could have afforded him when he was at his peak. I'm amazed he never went to, to, to any of the big European yeah, teams. Yeah. Um... And then, obviously, for a few years, it gets a wee bit not great again. The whole Barnes era, obviously, mm. maybe at least said the better. Um, but Martin O'Neill comes in, start of the century, and things change again, don't they? Aye. Um, I was a slow burner with O'Neill. I think a lot of people forget that. Um, I mean, the first game under O'Neill um, was the game against Dundee United up at Tanadice. Uh, and they won two one. I think I remember Chris Sun getting the winner. Um, and it was it was a it was a slow burner. And the game, really, the game that kind of got everybody all up and started the thing. Well, maybe this is something going on. Was the six two game? Um, once that game had finished, been Rangers six two. I think a lot of Celtic fans started thinking, well, we could actually be onto something this season. And uh, then they gave you a doing later on in the year. Aye, the battle was five one. Um. And yet, I don't ever remember thinking, oh, here we go, this is us back to normal, or, you know, I mean, that, that kind of negativity that you would probably get, like, say, now, for example, yeah. if Rangers were to be, your, be, be Celtic 5-1. But I, I don't remember, I think, it was a kind of, ah, the Bears, let's hopefully we'll continue and, and we'll take it back. I think by that point, we knew, a lot of Celtic fans kind of knew we were a better team than Rangers. Um, and it was maybe just one of those days where just everything just went against us. We just didn't play well. Um, but I, as the season went on, you just kind of watching them and 
seeing how good things were, you just kind of thought, I will definitely onto something here. Aye, well, after that, Rangers game, what he's only dropped points in two games, and the title was won, and then that was you. The last two games were basically dead droppers. I think he started giving young players a chance in that the last couple yeah. of games. Um, he, but yeah, you won convincingly. It was... Well, yeah, a lot of young kind of players started coming through, like Jamie Smith um, came through that season. Uh, Simon Lynch got a game. Um, there was Liam Keogh that got a game. Sure, but a bit. Yes, yeah, yeah, Sean Maloney, yeah, came in towards the end of that season. Um, he, he started coming in, Colin Healy, and there was another one that started getting, getting looked in. Uh, i trying to think who else. Uh, yeah, a few, anyway, like, for all. Yeah, there was a game against Hearts where he played them all. Like, well, not, not them all, but the majority of them. Um, like, like those kind of players. Um, and we got a result in the Cup, I think it was the League Cup quarterfinal or something, the Tencastle. Um, so I a lot of them started coming through, but it's it's, a, it's always been the same. Like we bring these players through, but we never keep hold of them, really. Aye, you think as well that season, obviously dream season, treble, first season. You think mm. kind of getting the way out of it. Aye, well that I mean, I mean nowadays, obviously Celtic have won the last four trebles, but, right. <laughs> but up, but seriously, up until then. <laughs> I, I mean, they'd never won a treble that uh, uh, I'd seen. Um, it was always doubles. Uh, and it was always a cup double. That was always a big thing, the Scottish Cup and the league. Because um, Celtic always had a thing. Uh, the, the League Cup, for example, was always like a bad tournament for Celtic. But we, we really struggled in that. Um, so to get an actual treble was just... Uh, it, was, it was amazing because it was always Rangers that get the trebles. We never really got those trebles. So it was... Well, I was brilliant to, to get it. And then, obviously, some of the European nights that you started to have under O'Neill, home record was formidable. I mean, it was a bit of a different story, certainly Champions League stuff. Uh, yeah, home games were brilliant. The atmosphere. I mean, you kind of know yourself. I mean, Champions League in the early days, when you ever associated the Champions League with Scottish football, it was always Rangers. Rangers were yeah, the team yeah. that was always in Scotsport on a Wednesday night, you know. We were I mean, us other teams were never involved in it. We were just kind of... And even after when we won the league in 97-98, we lost to Croatia Zagreb, Prozaneki and Mark Viduka, uh, and they battered us. So we didn't even get to the, the Champions League yeah. the season after we won the league. So to get into it, and then... Do well. I mean, I think we got in total nine points, and a lot of nine points nowadays is quite a, a good record. You could probably aye, qualify. Aye, aye. Yep. Yeah. With nine points, um, but back then, it just yeah, it just everything always seemed to go against us. Uh, you know, we should have drawn in against Juventus. They got a penalty in the last minute. That uh, Amoruso. Amoruso one. Aye. aye. Um, <sighs> But then there was other games that, you know, we weren't great at, you know. Um, so you, you can't really moan too much. It was just weird how, like, in the UEFA Cup, we would do well in away games. But in the Champions League, we struggled. It was just something was just, about the Champions League. Aye, uh, just maybe that slight difference in standard. Yeah, you know, weird, because obviously you're talking about UEFA Cup. And you've got the, the season you got to the final, but yet didn't win anything at all that season. No. Uh, but it'll be probably one of those seasons. I mean, that's obviously, um, you know, a, 
a book about that season and this about what I mean, would you ever think supporting Celtic you would get to a European final in your lifetime? No, not at all. Um, Did you go? Because, no, I never. And I, the reason why I never went was because I'd done my interview to be a holiday rep. Uh, I'd right. done it in the March, and I don't know if this is how they still do it, but the I was working for well, was Thompson's, and they said at the time was, well, does we'll contact you to let you know when you go out to resort, so just be in standby. And I didn't have quite anything to about, I think, just after my birthday in June. So I couldn't go anywhere. So I was always in standby. Um, it's one of the things I, actually, I, I regret is not going to Seville. I'd love yeah. to have went to Seville. Um, a lot of my friends went over. Um, I mean, they flew into like Gibraltar, they went to Portugal and all that kind of thing to, to get to Seville and what have you. Um, so I was, we went, I ended up going up to Glasgow, I think. That night, it was a horrible night. I don't know if you were out and about that night yourself or you remember, but it was a horrible, horrible night, um, weather-wise. Yeah. Um, so we'd, we'd be kind of d- done that, but um, I, Seville was unexpected simply because previously um, Celtic used to always get put out before Christmas. I'd, I'd only been under Martin O'Neill that we'd started to get past Christmas. Um, as a team in Europe. Previously, it was always second round. Um, we were losing to like uh, Neuchatel Zamax. We could be 5 1 over in Remember Switzerland. That, uh, the Egyptian boy, Hassan. Yeah, uh, who we were linked with for about two years aye, after. Aye. Yeah, um, we, we could be off of them. Werder Bremen knocked us out. Borussia Dortmund knocked us out. Um, I remember going watching us against Grasshoppers of Zurich, where we just struggled to get past. No, sorry, Young Boys of Bern, where we just struggled to get past. Um, I, it, was all, it was always kind of more or less the same. And then Martin and Neil came over, and then we started to get a, a, a good run of things. What's your favourite European night you've had at Celtic Park? Uh, being at the game, it would... It's a, a, a toss-up between Cologne and Liverpool. Um, I wasn't at the Barcelona game. I was, I was um, down here by this point, down here in England by that point. Um, so the Cologne game, we won 3-0. Um, we were 2-0 down for the first leg. And we won 3-0, and that put us through. And that was a great, good atmosphere, 92-93. And um, the Liverpool won each game. Um, yeah, the Liverpool won each game. Right? Yeah. That, that was a really, really good game um, to go to. Um, me and my mate, we went quite early for that game. And it was just good to see the build-up and everything. Uh, what have you. So I, they were probably the, the two best European games. Do you think the European run cautious the league or not? Because obviously it went to last day and you lost out in goal difference. Um, I would never say it cautious because I think that's always an easy excuse. To say that there's been too many games and all that kind of stuff, um, I'm not, I'm not one for that. What I think that did cost us was we started, and even as fans, we started having a mindset of placing the trophies in order. And I think once you start doing that, you start getting into trouble if trophies start slipping away from you. Yeah. So, for example, in the, I remember in February. You'd be talking about, well, you'd want to win the UEFA Cup first, the league, 
um, then the, the, the Scottish and then the League Cup kind of thing, you know what I mean? So you were placing it, because I think by February, beginning of March, we were in everything. Um, and we were going, I mean, there was talk of us winning the quadruple and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And then I think within a week, we'd been knocked out of the cup by Inverness. Uh, I think that was a midweek game up there. And then we lost the League Cup final on the Sunday to Rangers. So that put us out of those two. So from going from four to two, I think that then started putting a wee bit more pressure on the players, saying you'll have to win something. Because that's the two wins that we, we thought you could have won easily, gone. So I think that kind of started putting pressure. And also as well in the league, um, Rangers never really slipped up. It yeah. wasn't a case where they were dropping points and we were dropping points like it was under the Wim Janssen season where basically we stumbled across the line um, and, and they, just never, they stumbled but couldn't get the points they needed. Both teams were picking up points, winning games constantly. Um, up until probably near the end of the season, I think the last... The last three or four games is when I think I really caught up with Celtic. Um, I, I always think that's when... I, I remember we lost to Hearts at Tynecastle 2-1. They scored in the last minute. And I think that was a big, big blow to us. I don't think we quite recovered for that game. Aye. Uh, and they obviously, that season, won it convincingly, but following season, a bit of poor form at the end of the season. I think he's lost the league again. Rangers. Yeah, well, as you said, we'd won it. So we'd, Seville would never won it. Season after, we'd, we'd done the double. <laughs> the last season is a, is a hard one because Larson had left. So we were playing Sutton and Hartson up front. Yeah. Um, and then we get barely met in um, in the winter, um, the January transfer, just to kind of, I think, freshen up or give a, another dynamic. Yep, definitely, um, yeah, definitely. Because like I liked Bellamy, yeah, Aye. because it started, obviously we had Hearts and, and Sutton, they got Henri Kamara in on loan yeah, um, yeah, at the I... beginning, and he he just never settled down. For whatever reason, it never worked out for the lad um, at Celtic, um, and he was quite expensive loan deal. Um, I think it was the um, most expensive British loan at that time, um, well, certainly for that season. Uh, and then it never worked. They, had, they also had Janino, if I, if I remember ah, rightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, out, again, another one that never worked out. So um, Bellamy came in, and I think Bellamy kind of kick-started the season again for Celtic. Yeah. Um, and again, it was only when the split came in. I think we lost to Hearts and Hibs. Those, I think we lost to those two games. Or we drop yeah, one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Hibs and Motherwell. Hibs was a Hibs and Motherwell. You'd lost the Hearts. Yeah. Um, not long before you'd lost the Hibs game, I. Yeah, I, I remember Hibs and Hearts. I remember Hearts beating us um, because Hearts weren't in great shakes at, at that point. And then I was quite surprised with Nebez. And we, we kind of, I don't know, we kind of plateaued a wee bit. Um, we won at Ibrox. Uh, and then that gave us like a good wee step, and I think that's when we lost the Hearts actually the week after, and then uh, we went in, we went into the Motherwell game, and uh, that was just 
that was just ten minutes madness to be honest with you. Uh I, I still don't know how we lost that game, to be honest with you. I, I really don't. Just I uh, just mental. Uh, what about the striking era? Did you enjoy the striking era? He um, talked about it last week, Scott and me, that we kind of felt that striking was a bit underappreciated as a Celtic manager because he was obviously having to cut the budget. I don't think he was given particularly much to spend. No. Um, and he, he did, I mean, he did a pretty good job in terms of European record is, is up there, um, getting to the last 16, like that. Yeah. Like that League. I think with striking, it's... <sighs> It's one of those things. He was really unlucky in the sense that when he took over, as you said, they started cutting the budget, so they had to get rid of the O'Neill signings. O'Neill had been really faithful to a lot of them yeah. um, towards the end by giving them big contracts, like Bobo Baldy. He was in a huge contract, and he, and he hardly ever played, to be honest, um, when Strachan was in charge. And, and he stayed with Celtic to the end of his contract um, and we couldn't, couldn't get rid of him and we're paying God I don't know 20 grand a week or something on him or something yeah. um, so like we couldn't get rid of him um, and then as you rightly said so we had to replace those players and there'd been no really young players coming through um, so he he got good players and he got McDonald in who was a good striker um, I, I liked Scott McDonald. A lot of fans didn't like him, but he was he was a decent enough striker. Um, I suppose that the only problem that there was at Celtic at that time, I think the defence was a bit um, weak. Could have been a bit stronger, wasn't it? With Caldwell yeah. and Harris. that that was. I, I remember um, going to the Arsenal game when we played them um, for the Champions League qualifiers, and. We we just looked like boys to be honest against Arsenal that night. Um, you know the the market was all over the place. Players would come in and then they would go. Uh, I I think striking at the beginning was good, but towards the end his tactics became really stale. It was very much try and get McGeady on the ball and get McGeady uh, yeah, to try and yeah. create something or try. And I mean, hoping Nakamura can do something, yep. and so if the flip players couldn't do anything, then they were really struggling. Aye, because it law, aye, because he didn't have petrol by then and stuff like that through the middle, so it was all aye predictable down the down the wings. Mm. I mean, yeah. some of your signings were, were good. I mean, I mean, Jan Venegar Hessling, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but he had a, a reasonable score rate. Same as Zurafsky, again. He wasn't great, but he had a reasonable scoring rate um, playing off front with Celtic. It's, it's just, there seemed to be so many players kind of came in. Like Roy Keane came in for a bit. We had um, Mizuno, Koki Mizuno was out with um, Nakamura. And when Mizuno played, and everybody thought, oh, this boy looks a player. And then he vanished. We bought the, the Chinese boy against Clyde. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also had the other Chinese player. They played down south for Redden. Um Zhang Zheng Zhe or something like that. Zhang Zhe. Can't remember the boy's name properly. It was Zheng something. He used to, he played in um the championship for somebody like Redden or something right, like okay. that. Um and he'd he had a decent career in the championship, but he came up to us and yeah, he just yeah, he, I think the, the pace of the game was just maybe too quick for him. 
Yeah. Um, I think the nine in a row year, oh, there's maybe not much point touching on it maybe tonight. No. I think we'll probably do a nine in a row special at some point down the line when it's not as fresh, if that makes sense. Because hmm. we always have a laugh about it, the fact that this podcast, basically since the podcast started, Celtic have won the league every season. <laughs> um, which this season it looks like that's well, it's, it's not going to happen. No. Nah. Um, so, I well, I think we'll go over that in our time. But in terms of asking, you can other stuff about being a fan. So, Chris wants to know what was your favourite season? Would it be the the Burns era? You said aye, yeah. And then, um, but Burns' first one, ninety five, ninety six. Right, okay. Um. The rivalry with Rangers, how do you think the rivalry with Rangers has changed over the years from when you were young to where it is now? I think it still is intense or? It still is intense, but it's it's different in a lot of ways because social media, I think I think social media probably makes it more intense nowadays. Um, as a football fan, it's different because like when I first started going, both teams practically played at the same time as each other, three o'clock Saturday. Yeah. So you would kind of hear the scores coming through or you would pass supporters buses on your way home, all that kind of thing. Um, now, obviously, that doesn't happen because one team is playing Saturday, three o'clock, and the other is probably playing in the, you know, the Sunday. Yep. You know, so you, you don't get that. Oh, I wonder what the Rangers score is, you know, when you're going to the games anymore and kind of waiting to see if they're getting beat or, or if, you know, if they're picking up points and all that kind of thing. Um, th- th- there's always trouble. There's always been trouble. Uh, what I don't like is when I hear fans of my age or even older fans saying, oh, the, the, the young fans nowadays, they cause a, a trouble of this or, you know what I mean, they're just the bad of this or, you know, that kind of thing, because there's always been trouble, yeah. I, you know? I mean, so, I mean, in, in the 90s when I when I was going, I mean, fans were going on the pitch attacking Ali Maxwell. Those fights in the main stand, I remember, happening. I mean, Celtic fans get banned for Ibrox. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's always been problems there. But I, I just don't like how now, like the supporters, the, the guys that go to the games, especially away games now, are like seen as some sort of kind of thugs or you know yeah. that kind of thing. I, I don't like that because I, I don't think it's really any different to what it was like years ago. Aye, uh, another thing from Chris he wanted to ask was: you think Celtic are unique in the way that fans are expected to know their history, going right back? Because I'll be honest, as an Aberdeen fan, I've always thought that. It's not so much the history goes back to just the 80s, but I've never really gone back and looked at the the right past, but I think hmm. most Celtic fans, it's almost ingrained at the history and yeah. how the club came about and everything like that. Early on, is that something that you're almost taught? You think? I, think, I think it kind of is in a way because you tend to come from a family background where everybody in your family is more or less a Celtic supporter. I, I would say that anyway. I, I mean, personally for me, I mean, so like Christmas time or New Year when my uncles, when well, my uncles was alive, and my uncle was there, when my grandpa was alive, they would tell you stories of games they'd been to or events that had happened. Yep. Um, and I remember like in my first season, that, that centenary year, um, for Christmas, I got the centenary video. So okay. it was like, 
here you go. I mean, this is it. And I used to watch that like constantly. Uh-huh. Um, and you'd hear stories of things in the past, uh, you know, like Monkles and my granddad seen Jimmy Johnston play or Kenny Dalglish, you know, Billy McNeil, the Lisbon Lions. So it's just. Were any of your family at Lisbon? No, no, no. I never went to, to Lisbon. Um, I, th- I think back then it was. Yeah, I think my grandpa was fucking regular kind of thing, yeah. and I don't think he would be able to get time off. So they watched it um, on right. the telly, um, so they did. Um, but I, I know, like, my uncles used to go to all the games in the 70s. My grandpa was, like, more of a 50s, 60s kind of set decades yeah, for yeah. him watching the, the game. So we were brought up by these names of players, Charlie Tully, um, you, you know, Bobby Evans... Um, players that I would never even know about, and then as I said, you get like the centenary book. So then you would read about st- people like Johnny Thompson from like the, the goalkeeper that died in the twenties, early thirties, yeah. and it's just, ah, it's just, it's just something you're brought up with through yeah. tradition. Uh, so we'll finish off uh, we always have a guest special even though it's weird to call you a guest because you're such yeah. a regular nowadays <laughs> uh, we always finish off with the old best 11 so as best Celtic team of your lifetime you're the manager mm-hmm. or you can pick a manager a Celtic manager over the years um, so best 11 and it can be whatever, whatever formation you want as you know right okay so I've kind of been thinking a wee bit about it so um, goalkeeper, um, he probably wasn't the best goalkeeper, but he's sentimental to me because he came from the same part of the island as my grandpa, so right. I'd be Bonner. Okay. So, yep. yeah, Bonner's in there. Um, uh, my defence, uh, I'll go with a, a back three. A back three, uh, like Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with Elliot, Paul Elliot, as I said. Yeah. Um, another one who wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I had um, a soft spot for him, Darius Dovchek. Darius Dovchek, aye. Yeah, Life he box. had a great... Yeah, but he could play as a centre. Yeah. Um, so again, he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he, he got a free kick. He, he, he was good. He was too injury-prone with us um, to like be in a part of a, a settled team. Yeah. Um, and probably the last one I would... Pack would be. I'm just trying to think who it would be. Actually, defence I've always struggled with. Um, Reaper. Mara, no, Reaper. 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 Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I like Big Reaper. Yeah, that's a good back three. Back three, right? Um, midfield. Um, I would go with McStay and Collins. Yeah. As two set of mids. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, on. The right, I played the canyon. No, hold on, no, let me just remember how this worked. Left, sorry, left the canyon. Oh, you played the canyon on the left, right? Left, yeah. Um, and then on uh, my attacking mid, I would have Nakamura. Nakamura, aye. Aye. I really like Nakamura. I had a lot of time for Nakamura. I thought his free kicks, again, were just amazing. Um, and on the right, I'll go for. Uh, what was I? Oh, 
A gat. A cat. Yeah. Uh, he, he's an interesting one, obviously, because he came in and I don't think folk expected much of him at Celtic, but he, he did well under O'Neill. He was integral for that team. Yeah. And do you know what? He, uh, see if he could cross the ball. He would have been one of the best midfielders ever in Scottish football. He just couldn't cross. He could run up and down. And I used to feel sorry for him because he'd literally do about like 50-yard sprints constantly. And then the one he wouldn't do, you'd hear people going, oh, come on, you're being lazy. Yeah. I mean, the guy's knackered. The guy's out of breath I mean, the whole game. Um, Striker-wise, God, there's been so many, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll probably go with the... Cadetti and Van Hoydonk. Oh, no, sorry, Jane, no, no. I'll go with Van Hoydonk and Larson. I'll ditch I was thinking there, like, surely. Yeah. Larson out there. I, I, do you know what? I was, I was just thinking of my Tommy Burns team. It's interesting, right, because you get no players at all from the nine in a row. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what? I think that's, that's just because you always think back of players who you remember fondly through your childhood, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas when you're a wee bit older and you're a wee bit more sceptical, I think, of football and everything, they, they don't pull your heartstrings as much Aye. as maybe older players do. And that's probably why I've got a lot more older players. Like, for example, Bonner. I mean, Bonner probably been never getting to many folks. I'll take it be Boric or Foster. I'd be ahead of him. But for me... It's more of a emotional thing because he came from Ireland and the family loved him. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he, he came from Donegal and yeah, it's, it's one of the things you grew up with. So yeah, it's good to hear different teams. I think as well, much as you're going for a modern new formation, it's more a Tommy Burns uh, setup in terms of attacking players that you've got in there. So it'd be an, an entertaining team. I I mean I, I like as I said to you, Tommy Burns was the team. That I'll always love. I'll always be my favourite Celtic team, even though I never won anything. It'll be, it'll be the team that I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, I get the most emotion out of, whether it be happiness, sadness, despair, enjoyment. You know, I mean, it, it was that team. So I uh, that, that's why a majority of their players are in. Good. No, I like it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bother with any of the the weekend stuff or anything like that was going on just now but what we do need to do is do the old lower league predictions game so we're actually back to 8-5 now the weekend we right. ended up with one game because <laughs> the couple get called off and there was one on the Friday um, and stuff like that so we'll, we shall have a wee look and it'll be your turn so no brag or anything bad happened it was me that got a point for us at the weekend correct score and all sorts I mean that's that's tremendous so it's no pressure, but we'll get you and we'll get uh, you uh, getting a point for us. So let's see what we've got in the championship. So a full card on Saturday. So they're all getting played on Saturday at three o'clock. So uh, AR versus Inverness for you, Tony. What's your prediction? Uh, I'll go with Inverness could be this weekend. I don't even think they did not play. Only, they only, get, only one game they get played in Saturday. Oh, let me have let me have a look at the fixtures. 
at the table. Matt last week was to check who scored. See who scored.com. Checking home form and away form and that helped me out a wee bit. Much as you know, we are four card in the leagues, like different things like home records, away records. You know, oh, cool, you could seriously. I get, I mean, the championships are hard legal. That, that's a problem. Aye, it's always you know what I mean? That's it's, it's not the easiest league. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I'm just case. I'll you uh, giving me the Premiership. Ah, you just felt. See if you click on it, Aye. click on the Premiership, and then it will give you a wee drop down so that you can go into the Championship. Ah, right. Okay, okay. You got it. Yeah, I've got it. Just at the top left of the screen, once you click on Premiership, and it'll have a, a wee drop down. Championship. Let's have a wee look. Yeah, that's good. That's good change, Alan. That's good. Set a big revival for us, I think. Yeah, this is it. Okay, dokie. So, this is Inverness. Try that. Inverness have drawn the last four, four out of six games. Oh, um, right. the, yeah, so an air of yeah, well, one lost. Uh, last three. three at home, so yeah. uh, I'll go with with that one. Where is it air? That's that air, aye. That's what I said. I'll go two one air. You go two one air, right? Okay. Um, we shall go for. Let me just see. Or Broth versus Wraith. So I brought them in pretty good form actually recently. Aye, they've not lost in six. Aye, which is alright. Uh, and it's at Abroth? It is at Abroth. Wraith obviously no second in the league, but their form's going to be a bit indifferent recently. Mm. Uh, I'll go by one each. Well, one each there. Yeah. Right, okay. And then. Let me try and see what will pick as the last game. The problem is you've got Haas and Dunfermline and the D all at home in there or mm. near the top of the league, but I think that might be the, the more difficult one. Maybe I think Dundee against Queen of the South. Queen of the South, again, have been in a right form recently. Um, and Dundee have been in good form as well, actually, but... Yeah, you'd think Dundee. Let me have a look. I'll go with a 3 1 Dundee, that one. Yeah, I'm just going to have a wee look. But in saying that, Queen of the South, Drew lost one, Drew 1 1. I mean, they could have been poor though. Dundee are mm. at home, 1 4, drawn 2, whereas a both of the Queen of the South have only 1 1. And drawn one away from home, so I think yeah, you're right to go for a home one, I think. Yeah, so I'll go 3-1. We've got Air against MRS 2-1, or Broth mm-hmm. against Wraith Rovers 1-0, and the D against Queen of South 3-1. Aye. Um, and that, if we can get a point, that'll get us back to 8 sips, and then Ali will start to feel the pressure. Aye, he'll start to crumble. Aye, exactly. He, 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 exactly. So, no, enjoyed that tonight, having the fan special. I like them. 
wee bit different again because as we said kind of recently we tried to kind of match up change things and everyone knows what's going on just now with mm. everything else and Scottish football so aye something fresh interesting and I enjoyed no, that I enjoyed enjoy doing it to be honest with you it was great I mean it's great talking about um, the old games and all that kind of thing you know and the thing is when you go to the games uh, a regular what have you there's, there's so many things you can talk about that I never mentioned you know like Wraith Rovers yep, Hamden yep. season aye, aye. you know all that kind of thing you know so there's hundreds of stuff you can talk about so I thanks for letting us um, share some of my oh, memories it's good it's good yeah. I wish you'll speak soon alright thanks for having us again Just doing it. Cheers. Bye.